So what I'm doing is allowing the tool to have more of a tangible feeling because now you can see the results that I've gotten. And also I'll even bring up examples from other clients. Sometimes you have to lead them to an aha moment of why the two exist together. Just to let you know, hey, it's not me, it's other people as well in the marketplace following these techniques. Welcome to Make Them Famous, the podcast about partner enablement. The only podcast to uncover both how partner teams enable their partners and how other department leaders enable their partner teams to achieve success. Of course, we couldn't make this podcast famous without our amazing sponsors. For sponsorships, we aimed for not only great products, but techs used to power some of the top partner programs around. We invited PartnerStack, ShareWork, and Sendoso to be our sponsors. PartnerStack, for those unfamiliar, is the leading partner management platform for SaaS companies like Monday.com, Unbounce, Intercom, Webflow, and is a company we've closely worked with. We advise many of our program market fit clients to demo partner stock when they are ready to scale revenue through partnerships. And we'll talk a lot about co-selling in this podcast. So please check out our second sponsor, ShareWork, a free app that allows partnership managers at top companies like Qualtrics, Full Story, Smart Recruiters, and Sendoso to easily generate partner sourced and partner influence deals thanks to real time and unlimited account mapping. ShareWork is offering a um, make them famous listeners three months free access to their paid features to map unlimited accounts, generate deals, and attribute revenue to the partnership manager's efforts. Use the link below to sign up and get this special offer. Finally, the top sales and partnership teams around know of our third-party partner, Sendoso, the leading sending platform. Sendoso is the most effective way for revenue-generating teams to stand out with the new ways to engage at strategic points throughout the customer journey. By connecting digital and physical strategies, companies can engage acquire, and retain customers easier than ever before. Founded in 2016, Sendoso is trusted by over 500 companies and has a vast global footprint with a presence in North America, Europe, and Asia Pacific. Learn more at Sendoso.com. Awesome. I am beyond excited to announce my next guest for today's episode. We have the ever so amazing Chris Merrill and Morgan J. Ingram from JB Sales Training. Now, JB Sales has created its own category and has been a leading force when it comes to generating formal academic sales training for people all over the world. Chris and Morgan, you guys get the opportunity to work with partners that you really truly believe in and you put their technology and the trainings that you offer. Uh, and that's just been what has excited me most about talking with you guys today. And I'm so excited for you to share your experience with those of our listeners. So Chris and Morgan, welcome. Happy to be here. <laughs> happy to have you guys. So for starters, can you introduce yourself, your role, your background on how you got started with JB Sales and really how it came to life? Chris, let's start with you. Yeah, I am. I'm looking over and seeing what my title of today is, Chief Growth Officer. More specifically, I run the marketing and the ever-evolving content part of our business. We we are known as a, a sales training organization. I've said probably over the last four or five years, we've really seen an opportunity to really bifabricate the company into standard professional services training, which we're known for and rooted in. But as our talent and our go-to-market and our reach has expanded, we've really built out a more of a media side of the business. I would say where I'm spending more most of my time right now is really figuring out what is a media business, what are the different components, specifically the partnerships, which I, I know that's what we're talking about today. Just a quick background, I've known John since we were four. John and I have also worked together for 
at this point, 23 years. John was John when we were, I think I was like 19 or 20. I got to go back and measure that. But John had an amazing sales job with good sales training, and he was actually being paid. And somehow we convinced him to leave and to come over and run sales for a startup in the IT space, for which we had no idea what we were doing. John obviously proved to be a massive uh, influence on our success, having sold to Staples in 2006. And from there, John's gone on to uh, be the legend that he is. So thankful to be here. Yeah, that's awesome. Lo- love to hear the background story. And you guys have known each other since you were four. That's amazing. I have some good pictures. I'm happy to post. And when you do this tag of some of my favorite pictures are, a lot of people don't know this, but John on the superlatives for our high school. John actually got best hair. I will definitely get you some pictures. Okay, yeah, we're going to need to see that for sure. Wow. Okay, Morgan, I don't know how you can outdo Chris on that one, but can you introduce yourself, your role, um, and just some of the partners that you work with today and that you uh, have a pretty close relationship with? Yeah, so I, I definitely can't beat Chris with the story here. However, I started off as a SDR, so sales development rep, for those maybe who don't know what that is, uh, prospecting with cold calling, emails, LinkedIn, all of the things of that nature. I originally never wanted to get into sales at all. I wanted to be a sports agent, but ended up cold calling this organization, Terminus. And that's what led into me getting into this game in this industry. And I got founded by John through YouTube out of all places. Uh, I started a YouTube channel called the SDR Chronicles while I was an SDR. And what that was is documenting my journey as an SDR and what I was doing and how I was getting success in that role. So he found me there. And funny enough, this is like full circle though, is that he met me at Rainmaker. So sales loft. So sales loft is one of the partners that we work with. And also as well, uh, he said, Hey, just want to throw this in your ear. I'm not ready. You're not ready. But when the time comes, we should work together. And I actually met Chris for the first time at Rainmaker too. So it's actually funny. And from there, he called me three months later saying, hey, it's time. And I was like, cool, let's talk about it. And that into the opportunity of what I do today for the past three and a half years. I've been working at JB Sales on the sales training side, focusing on prospecting top of the funnel. How do you break it to net new accounts with a lot of clients that we work with on top of the content that we're working on now uh, with Chris coming into the fold as well. And so sales loss, one of them gong is one of the partners that we're working with uh, proposify is one of them as well. We're really excited to have this conversation and talk about how we work with these partners to make sure it's impactful for everyone involved. I love it. And I think that's hilarious that you met both Chris and John at Rainmaker, because I'm pretty sure Morgan, that is where I met you for the first time. And obviously it's it just, it all really is coming full circle. We have this not so small of a, of a space that we're all working in, but it is really great. And I, I can't wait until we can go back to in-person events so we can all hang out again. But so I know both of our companies have worked really closely with sales off for quite some time now. They, like I mentioned, have been a partner of Sendoso's for as long as I've been at Sendoso. And I work with their team really closely, and I know that they're one of your close partners as well. I got the chance to interview Sean and Matt on my last episode a few weeks ago, and we touched really briefly on your partnership a bit. But I would love to know from you, Morgan, what is your relationship to Sales Loft? When did you guys really first start working together and how do you use or leverage them? Are you using them internally? Is this more of a referral, resell, or building services on top of what they offer? We'd love to have you dive into that a little bit. Yeah. So on a personal level, sales off runs super deep. So I mentioned Terminus has the same like lead investor 
as sales loft. So essentially, and they're both in Atlanta. So it was a sister company at the end of the day. So I met the majority of people at sales loft because even funnier, they were right across the street from us from Terminus. So I definitely know a lot of people over there and it definitely runs deep. And that's really the relationship started to grow on a personal level. And then in JB sales, because of the relationship that Kyle and John had as well, it also just made sense. And also I'm here in Atlanta. And so in terms of the partner, I use sales off on a day-to-day basis to build and optimize different cadences to go out and do my own prospecting, which is part of our role. And then also using that data to share on how other people can use cadences for the different clients and different people that they're trying to reach out to as well. So I'm making sure that as a partner, I'm leveraging the tools so I can speak to it. And even that they've acquired Costello, I also use their deal flow to make sure I'm running discovery calls in the right way. And I'm also doing my fault calls in the right way so I can close more deals as well. So I'm using the product on a day-to-day basis. So if someone does ask me about sales off, it's like, yeah, not only are they a partner, but I actually, I don't want to use them as well. I don't know from a probably reseller and services side that Chris, that's where he comes into play to really figure out that bigger picture piece. But I come from the tactical perspective so people can relate to what I'm talking about. I love that. That was so great. That was so great, Morgan, because I was going to point back to this as we talk this through, which there's something really important. And obviously with Morgan, his narrative, his story was very natural because he lived it. He was a part of as the relationship grew. But as I'm sitting here listening to Morgan talk about our relationship back to SalesLoft, the why, the how, the technical detail, the actual what products we're using, you noticed how that was just very natural of a story from Morgan. And I think that's a core tenant that I'll get into a little bit, which is making sure that at the the keystone, basically the people that run the partnerships and the relationships, our job is to create these partnerships to make sure we understand the why, but then making sure that we know how to distill that information and push it to all corners of our organization. As Morgan is such a wonderful steward of our friends of SalesLoft and our other partners as well, it's almost muscle memory for him at this point to rattle off why, what we use it for, how people can benefit. But if you asked anyone in our organization, you get that that same answer. And I think it's I'm going to get back to that in a little bit about you know what I believe to be successful on the partner side. And I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but if you want to re-ask that question, but it was just really important to point that out. No, I think that's such a great thing to point out. And I, I want to talk with you a little bit more about that, Chris. What is the reason that makes you say, yes, I want to work with these people? Obviously, just the relationship from the beginning with a lot of these partners started off as friendship and really believing in their product. But what's something maybe a little bit deeper that makes you want to say, yes, these are the people I want to work with? Such an amazing question and so completely layered. I think that we are a small organization, and I would say that everyone on our team, aside the fact that most of us are unemployable <laughs> because we are so opinionated of what we do and we've always you know, navigated our, our own path, I think the core tenets that we make decisions about partnership is first and foremost, and I, I think a lot of people would use the, the beer rule or something, we, we have to like the humans. People do business with people, not companies, and we as a small organization, we empower everyone to make decisions of, and this is customers, partners, everything. Are these people, do we feel as though that we can coexist together? Of course, we can talk about doing great things together, but partnership and sponsorship, any of that, it's still service business and it needs to 
it, you need to make sure that you think about the downside of when things go bad. How are we going to be able to resolve this? Is this a point back to the contract thing or get on the phone and work through things? And there's not been a relationship across the 10 or 15 companies we're close with where things go wrong. It's service. That's what we're, you know, like, and I think you can really hedge that by really making sure first and foremost, you understand the core values and ethos of your organization, but seek that out in your partners as well. So the first thing for us is, and this is almost like table stakes is one, excuse me, we do have an explicit no asshole rule. We choose to work with people that know we don't have to have the same background. No, we don't have to have the same audience. No, we don't often have to have the same beliefs, but are we good people? Do we err on the side of positivity? And do we, and to steal uh, something directly from Kyle Porter, do we have an action towards bias? Are we going to just talk about this? Or are we going to go do something? And that's an issue that when I came into SAS, I, I realized is, and John was, you know, John will be the first to raise his hand. John says yes to every partnership call, relationship call. And what I told him was as a small organization, like we have to make sure we measure the effort and we have to know why, who we're doing business with and what those outcomes are. We can't you have to be selective across the board. So for me, it's first and foremost, the people, do you trust that your relationship will endure the downtimes? The second part of that is for your combined audience, and I'm going to say community, I'm going to say audience, not community, because for us, we are not an organization that has and builds community. I know it sounds anti, but what we have is an audience. And with that audience, we know our audience really well. And we need to make sure that the narrative of two brands, two products working together is logical. Sometimes you have to lead them to an aha moment of why the two exist together. But you can really, again, hedge a good relationship to make sure that it's really apparent of why two organizations will work together. Point in case, I'll talk about both SalesOft and Sendoso. On the SalesOft side, so at, at the root of our training, and I'd say the most powerful parts of our training really has to do with our messaging framework where we help sales reps to the, the full life cycle of being able to size their market, determine the persona, and to develop using a framework of uh, uh, persona personalized messaging that then gets deployed through all of the, the channels or mediums, email, voicemail, social. Just so happens that to, for us to be effective, we need to be paired with a tool that allows you to do that. Hence, uh, we came up with SalesLoft. We obviously are a, a microcosm compared to them. We were there when SalesLoft was more of a data tool, not a a cadence tool, but as it evolved, they said, wow, this is great. Not only do we have a, a solid friendship with uh, Kyle and the team, the product is very logical for us to partner because we are the cannonball, yet they're the cannon. And so it's very logical to our audience of why we'd work together. We can do you know, data experiments together. We can help their customers. They can help ours. It's very logical. Same thing with Sendoso. Right now, we're feeling like email and, and calling, although super important and never let up, it's more of a challenge than it's been in the past, and therefore you should look for alternative channels for go-to-market. Sendoso as a send platform, brilliant. And so that was the, the reason for that, and that's why that's logical. So that's the second piece, which is making sure that there's a clear narrative and an understanding of why two brands can work together. Uh, and then the last one would be the excitement and fun. Is there a reason that you're not just the two people that shake hands and high-five and say, let's do business? What's the other side to this? Which Is it fun? Are they going to meet us? when it's time to go do content or go to market. Sorry if I lost you there. And, oh, sorry about that. I thought we just had, a, I think my power went up for a split second. But back to the fun piece, like there has to be something that's inspirational. Because if not, then you just have a list of people that you have calls 
on the schedule. Matt Alvarez, I'll tell you right now from Salesoft, perfect example. We've been in their form, Salesoft's formal sponsor program, excuse me, formal partner program since the inception. We were part of the first cohort. And most of our relationships happen more on a paid sponsor side. But at the end of the day, we are partnered and we're going to go long on this. I love just being a part of the ecosystem because everyone they recruit in the program, very similar in mindset to us. They're, they're willing to take content risks. They, they don't want to do the boring. They really want to look and say, okay, that's great, but we're not a checkbox type of an organization. What can we do differently? And so I think it really has to do with pairing up the companies to make it way before you get into the product market fit. Because, yeah, the product market could fit, but that might just be for a short period of time. If you figure out that the teams can work together and really stress the relationship, I think that's what's going to endure. I agree 100%. And I think that's also why I look at this partnership that you guys have built with them and I'm so fond of it. And I think a lot of other people can say the same thing. You can tell that you guys have similar core values. No, The no asshole rule is very apparent here. But Pairing yourself also with a tool that makes a successful partnership and there's a clear narrative there. Those are all all really great things to touch on that I think sometimes in partnerships now where we're heading, it's just let's partner with as many people as we possibly can and see how much revenue we can drive. And it's not necessarily all about that. It, it definitely is uh, about finding those great relationships and expanding on them because then look like you guys five years later, however long later, you're still working together and you're making it successful for one another. One thing, if I could just, I want to bring up, because you just brought up something really great about, oh, what's the revenue or the referrals? One thing to me that uh, I learned very early on is to make sure that you, almost in a T account, you with your the, the corresponding partner, making sure they understand of what how they define and measure success. I, I'll just put it out there that most partner programs in the software space that I've been recruited or contacted about a let's do a partnership at the end of the day are just people they're looking for the referral. Like they want us to, to serve as an affiliate. They want access to either our audience or our customers. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying not rightfully, that's a partner in channels, a very difficult, but a great way to, to grow your business. But with that said, the first thing I do is make sure that I understand, look, are you just trying to get us? I don't want to take a call about partnership and then understand that you're just trying to get me to enroll in some type of like formal affiliate program. That's fine if it is, but it's making sure you understand exactly what success measurement is and how, if we work together, you will actually be measured. In a lot of cases, it's great to get the financial part. If it is a financial driver, let's make it be about the financial driver. Let's measure it on those merits. But I think there's, because partnership isn't so strictly defined in this space, I think that's one of the problems is that there's a lot of time wasted on disco calls and partner calls where everyone gets on the phone, but nobody has an idea of why they're there, how to get started. And so I try to clarify that right out of the gate. James on my side will tell you when he's in conversations and it sounds like they're trying to get up to me to have that conversation. I'll push back and just say, okay, can you ask me what they're, what are they thinking? What do they want to do together? How is it measured? And it always ends with this little byline and they have some really great revenue that you guys can, you guys can make 20% of revenue for every sale. That's not our model. We don't do that. And clarifying what you're willing to do and what the purpose of a partnership is really important. I agree. And and you answered my question I was going to ask you next, which was what is something that you find little in value um, in terms of joining someone's partner program? And I think that's something that a lot of different 
partner companies, consultants, agencies, tech partnerships touch on a lot. That's great that you can offer me 20% rev share, but that's not the sole reason why I want to join your partner program and work together. These kinds of things also take a good amount of time to launch. You can't just all of a sudden start saying, I'm going to start partnering with JV Sales and we're going to get 10 referrals in the first month. It doesn't work like that. There's so much more that goes into building the successful relationship. And I think that's something a lot of companies and partner teams now are like noticing to see and hopefully just changing partnerships for the better. But Morgan, I want to talk a little bit more about what the day-to-day of your trainings look like and how you involve your partners right now. Do they come into some of the trainings? Do you handle all of it? Do they hop in or have webinars with you now and then? How do you keep them involved? Oh, what's a day-to-day look like? <laughs> That's just fun. <laughs> you do not want Morgan J. Ingram's calendar. I guarantee yeah. it. I get my team anxiety just by looking at it. So uh, I guess it goes into three different components. So the first component is the training. So that's our corporate training. Clients pay for that. They'll have typically their three, two hour sessions and with additional reinforcement. And so as part of the training, what I share with people is, hey, you're probably using sales loft or a tool like it, or you might be using a gong or a vineyard. And so what I'm doing in the training is not the partner's not coming in the train in that formal training, but I show like how to use this product on a tactical level. Hey, this is me sending a video and how to do it at this step, or, Hey, this is how I use my cadence. Here is the exact messaging. Here are my reply rates. Here are my open rates. So what I'm doing is allowing the tool to have more of a tangible feeling because now you can see the results that I've gotten. And also I'll even bring up examples from other clients too, just to let you know, Hey, it's not me. It's other people as well in the marketplace following these techniques. So that's like the first and foremost is I'm showing exactly how to use this product from a rep perspective. And so on the managers that are in the training, enablement in the training can drive that adoption as a whole, because sometimes we'll talk to clients like, oh yeah, we, we got this, for example, like sales off, but hey, some people might not know how to create templates. So we'll say, okay, this is how you create templates and then add it to your workflow. So now your team can move faster. And that's what I'm doing from the training perspective. And typically I'll have three to four clients that I'm working with like per week on on those type of trainings. And then on the set on the second side is content that I'm posting. So I'll post on LinkedIn, hey, these are the top tools that I'm using. This is how you can use this tool. Here's a way that you can leverage it to speed your time. So it's normally short bits of content. It might be a two to eight minute video or might even be a text post. So it's not as in deep depth as you're getting in the training, yet you're still getting a little bit of understanding. And again, I'm not saying, hey, sales is awesome. Check this out. It's here's how you use it, right? Because if you know how to use it and I'm showing you how to do it, you're going to be way more intrigued to go check it out. So on my content side through Instagram, or I'm, I'm making over here making TikToks and reels now, but, but, but like, you know, like I'll talk about those products as, as a, and we, Chris mentioned it is an engaging and a fun way. Not just go check this out, guys. That's boring. Like, no one cares about that. But I'm saying, hey, this is why you should check it out. Here's how you can be successful with it in your role. And I'm also doing it in a fun way for you're like, oh, wait, Morgan makes that seem really fun. How do I 
get involved with that. And I'll give an example of it going back to point one. So in my training, I'm saying, hey, if you're going to create cadences, you might as well have fun. So all my cadences are named after rap things. So I have AT Alien for Outcast. I have Mom, I Can Fly because of Travis Scott. Like I have Rosa Parks because of Outcast. I have, I have like Burr because of Gucci Man. And if you listen to rap, you know what I'm talking about. But the whole thing is I make it fun for myself. So now I can make it more engaging. And that's part of the content that I share is point two. And point number three, which is what Chris brought up earlier, is what we do with certain partners is webinars. So with these webinars, we focus on an element of that product. So it could be for sales off, we might talk about cadencing. Or for Vineyard, for example, we've done a lot of content with Tyler around video prospecting best practices. We did a webinar, I think it was three weeks ago, like on live videos and we were talking about them, how to send a video, what should you be doing? Here are examples of how to do it. And then Gong, shout out to Devin over there. We've been taking their stuff from their labs and we've been taking uh, that information and then adding context and tactical advice as part of that. And so, yeah, I love working with all the different partners because I can take their tools and add even more context and tactical pieces to it. So yeah, I just want to show some love to, to Devin out there at Gong because like that data we use in the webinars, it makes it so much more impactful because we have a lot of visuals there as well. I absolutely love to hear that. And I think that's what makes a really successful partnership and relationship in general is you're, you're focusing on a handful of technologies that you're actively using day to day that you're testing out. I see some of your videos that you've posted on Instagram recently where you're like, all right, I'm going to send an email to, I don't know, CEO of LinkedIn or something like that. And you're working with your audience and using those tools to see how you can get the responses as well. So you're engaged, you're leveraging it. That shows a lot that when you do have a really successful partnership, your partners are bought into your product as well. You're not just partnering because of revenue numbers are trying to get that 20%, you believe in their product. And I think that's what's so important for any of our listeners right now that are trying to grow out their partner ecosystem. Just start with a few partners and products that you really love and that can really make a complement service to your product and then grow from there. I think that you guys all said it absolutely perfectly, but Chris, I'd love to come back to you and just, can you share one takeaway that the audience can have just for building successful relationships and ultimately helping out your mutual customers? I think I'll go back to the point I surfaced before, <clears throat> which is finding, it's a, this seems weak, but if I dig into it a little bit more, it might be helpful of making sure that you're crystal clear on both sides of the why, and they don't have to be the same exact why. In the sales process, we talk about our customer's customer a lot with developing empathy and how to really help. Same thing here. What is my partner's customer? And that empathetic view of, okay, how can I truly service them? And my opinion, and if I was to take away is uh, focus on the alignment of both the people and then for the product market fit to make sure that it's a clear narrative. And the last piece is nurture. If there's ever been anything that dies on the vine, it is partnerships left unnurtured. If you are just trying to build an affiliate program, there are an amazing tools out there like PartnerStack that can help you to do that where it's high volume and um, transactional. If you're really trying to go for the long of this, you have re relatively high LTV in a complex uh, market, really choose your partners carefully and really just make sure you're super attuned of the why of it and just making sure that the, the nurtured, that you're constantly evaluating and measuring it. I 
I love that. Great words of wisdom. And Morgan, coming back to you, what is one word of advice that you can leave our audience with on how you build out successful partnerships and grow from there? Yeah, Chris brought up a lot of great points. I think the the biggest thing across the board is when you are talking about your partners is if you have the ability to do so is really talk about how it evolves in your life. So sales life, I use it in my life, like Vidyard, I use it in my life. Another partner, Gong, like I use Gong, right? Proposify, I use that. So if you have the opportunity, like talk about how do you use it in your lifestyle and how do you incorporate that? So it creates more of relatability versus, oh yeah, this is cool. It's there's something behind it so that it drives people to actually go check it out. I love it. You guys really touched on a lot of amazing things today. And I think that everything that you said is something that our listeners are really going to take home and put into effect. Thank you guys both so much. It's always a pleasure speaking with you and learning from you. And I just think this episode is absolutely amazing. And I can't wait until we get to speak again. Thank you very much. We need more of this type of content around partnerships. If anybody's interested in talking with me, Chris, at jbarrows.com. Awesome. Thank you, guys.